Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let me grab one of these uh, mic stands because I need something to put my notes on. One of my shortcomings in ministry is I have a terrible memory. I don't remember scriptures like I should, so you all pray for me. But I'm pretty good at writing stuff down. I want to thank you all for having me. And thanks to Pastor Herb for allowing me to come. This is the second time that I've been here. And I hope that it won't be the last. I'm sorry to hear that Herb is not feeling well. But I do hope he's enjoying his time with his family in California. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for having woken us up this morning. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to worship in your presence once again. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have open eyes, ears, and hearts to receive what you would say to us today. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to lift up our petitions to you and to praise your holy and righteous name. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for having saved us from a life of sin and an eternity in hell. But we thank you, Lord, because you've opened the gates to the kingdom of heaven and you set our feet on the path that leads to your very door, to the very throne of grace. Lord, we thank you because even in our mistakes, even in our missteps, even in our sin, you saw fit to save us. You didn't have to do it, but you did. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Our Father, our Provider, our Redeemer. We just thank you for this gathering of your people. We thank you for New Song. Thank you for this ministry. And we thank you for ministries all around the world who share your word with those who are lost. I ask, Lord, that you would overwhelm our service on today. I know the words that I have prepared, but I ask that you would take your servant out of self and that you would speak through me. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Give us open eyes, ears, and hearts to receive what you would say to us today in the name of our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let all of God's people say amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for having me. Uh, when I spoke to Herb about coming to preach today, uh, he did tell me that he was going to be using uh, Oswald Chambers' uh, devotional for the year. I have not read the book yet. Um, I see some copies there in the back. And whenever Herb suggest something to you. He has a way of convincing you that you should do it. <laughs> it's a subtle suggestion, but it's almost like the spirit of Herb speaking <laughs> to those who would hear. Um, Herb is one of the primary reasons that I'm standing here today ordained in the church of God. He, is, uh, he has been a blessing to me. Uh, he's been a blessing to this congregation, obviously. He's been a blessing to Western Pennsylvania. He's been a blessing to the kingdom of God. And I am so thankful and blessed to have met him and have continued to be able to uh, associate with him. So I thank you for uh, sharing him with the world. Amen. I want to thank my wife for letting me come to play with you all today. Um, she is one of the primary reasons why I'm standing here today, why I'm saved. Um, so I'm thankful for her. I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful. Amen. Amen. We have so much to be thankful for, even in the midst of our situations and circumstances, when things look to be their darkest, we have the blessed assurance that God is still there with us. 
And even when in those times when it doesn't seem like he's near or when he's hearing us, he sends the Holy Spirit to whisper to us, I am here. Amen. I am for you. I am with you. I have not forsaken you. And that's part of what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, the devotional that Herb is using um, for you all this year is My Utmost for His Highest. Now, I haven't read the book yet, but again, when Herb suggests things to you, you kind of get the message. So I'll be, <laughs> I'll be obtaining a copy of that book. Um, but what intrigued me the most out of that title was the word utmost. There are a number of definitions for the word utmost, and the word is, is used to describe, I just jotted down a few things, the greatest degree or amount, the most or the best of one's abilities or powers, the extreme limit or extent. The word utmost is synonymous with the best, the greatest, the maximum, the most, the most extreme or the greatest that is possible. Now that sounds like a lot because it is. Amen? Amen. We are finite. We are flawed. Uh, there are more than a few times in our lives when we feel that we are inadequate. So what does that mean when God is asking us for his utmost? And that's a heavy burden to bear. When you think about giving everything that you have to the Lord. I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how sanctified you are. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care if you can recite scripture, chapter and verse. I can't do any of those things. But the word is pretty clear about what God wants from us. It means giving your very best. But the good news is that that's a, a two-way street because we receive God's very best. Amen. Amen. So it's not just about us giving our utmost, but it's about us being able to receive God's utmost. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one-way street. There are a number of references to utmost in, in our Christian walk. We hear it in, in our hymns. We hear it in the songs that we sing. We see it in the scriptures that we read. There is a hymn that I really enjoy. It's called, To the Utmost Jesus Says. And what more could we ask for but his utmost when it comes to our salvation? Mm -hmm. Amen? Yes. Amen. Uh, there's a book out. I haven't read this one either. But it's a book called From the Guttermost to the Uttermost, and it's written by Reverend Dr. Lori McDonald. And it's her story about a woman who was an abused prostitute. How she was the mother of 10 children. She was far from being saved. But the Holy Spirit spoke to her one day, even in, in the midst of that situation and circumstance. She went on to become saved. Uh, she's earned several degrees, and now she's the pastor of a church. And that's just an example of God's utmost, from the guttermost to the utmost. So when we see people who are in those situations, people who are at their very lowest, people who are far from being saved, people who don't have an initial hungering to be saved, Jesus can work with those people and bring them from the lowest to the highest. Amen. Amen. Some of us have been in that situation, been in situations similar. And we have an obligation to share our testimonies and not be ashamed of where we were because we have more than enough reason to be proud of where God has brought us to, from the guttermost to the utmost. We want God's utmost, amen? amen? We want the absolute very best that he has for us and nothing else will do. When we ask him to save us we, wanted us, we wanted him to save us all the way. When we are in difficult situations, we want him to bring us all the way out. 
when we're wondering how we're going to pay that bill. We want him to pay that bill and that bill and that bill. We want him to pay the whole thing. We want to not only have him pay those bills, when we look in our bank account, we want to see numbers that were not there before. That's the kind of blessing that we want from God. We want his absolute best, his absolute utmost, and he can do it for us. We want his absolute best, his utmost. We serve a big God. Yes, we, do. we serve a God whose size we can't even calculate. So when he's asking us to do things, how willing are we to give him our utmost? You know, it's, it's not always about our ability to do the things that he asks us to do. It's about our willingness. Amen? If we see a homeless person on the street, we may have a few dollars in our pocket and we are able to help that person, but are we willing to help them? And it's not even so much about how much money you might have in your pocket. Again, it's about your willingness to help because you may not have that much, but are you willing to share the por a portion of what you have? And in some cases, that small portion is the utmost that God is asking for. And I'm going to touch on that in just a little bit. But how can we give God, give to God so that we can receive his glory? How do we glorify God in the things that we do, in the way that we carry ourselves from one day to the next? And see, I think that when we, when we think about glorifying God, we tend to make it bigger than it has to be. We think that it has to be some big grand gesture. We think sometimes it has to be something that people can see. And that's not always what it's about. Sometimes it's about the small things. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be an action outside of prayer, just praying for somebody. And you don't have to pray for two or three or four hours. Sometimes it's just a word. Amen. And while I'm thinking about it, I, I would ask you all to have two people that I'd like for you to keep lifted up in prayer. One is a woman named Mary Hill. She's a longtime friend of my mother's. My mother's passed, but these two women um, went through the ordination process. Again, they were Baptists, so don't hold that against them. But they were praying women of God. They preached. And Mary's having some, some difficulties in her life now. So I'd ask you to keep her lifted in prayer. The other person is my brother-in-law, Thomas Harding. He's going to be baptized later on today. When we leave here, we're going to his baptism. He's one of those people who was at the guttermost. Jesus is lifting him up Amen. to the uttermost. So please keep them in prayer. And like I said, sometimes it's just praying for somebody. Like I said, it doesn't have to be a big grand gesture. It doesn't have to be all that. Sometimes it's the smallest things are what God wants from us. See, uh, we, we tend to place our own parameters on what the utmost is, and that's not what God wants. Amen? We want God's best, but we tend to be comfortable just giving a convenient portion. We give what's convenient, what's comfortable for us. We're not thinking about what God is asking us for. We give what we, what we feel comfortable giving. We hear about relationships that are 50-50. And I'm here to tell you that a 50-50 relationship is not a relationship at all. Amen. When you're in a relationship with someone, whether it's your a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's God, you are called to give 100% of what you have. I don't think you heard me. When you are in a relationship with someone, no matter who it is, you are called to give 100% of yourself. Even if that other person doesn't give 100% back. 
and everything that you do, you should give it your absolute best effort. If you're, law, if you're swimming in a lake and you only give half, 50% of your efforts, you're going to drown. Amen? Amen? If you're taking a test and you only answer 50% of the questions, you're going to fail. Amen? Amen? If you're working on a job and you only give half effort, how long do you think that you'll keep that job? So when that job is serving the Lord, you are called to give 100%. Give it the very best that you have. Amen. To be a disciple of Christ means to be a servant of God. And the scripture that, one of the scriptures that I talk about or that I'm going to talk about is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. And that teaches us to honor God in all that we do. And one of the most important words in that small scripture is the word all. Not some, not a part, not a piece, not a portion. All. And we have a hard time dealing with absolutes like that. That little three, that three letter word causes so many of us to trip up and trip and fall. So like I said, it's the small things that matter. We don't like to deal with absolutes because we like to have a little bit of wiggle room where we can step back and maybe slide or escape. But God's word is true. It says, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, when we're talking about eating and drinking, that's not only about putting food and drink into our bodies. It means the things that we take into our bodies, the things that we hear, the things that come into us. Because the things that go in, they come out. And if you study that scripture, it's not just about food and drink. Yes. Amen? Amen? But whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And in order to glorify God in everything, we must have wholehearted faith. F-A-I-T-H. Wholehearted faith. It's just like when, when, when the children were being told to go and to find whoever they needed to find in the audience. They trusted in what that sister told them to do. Some of them got waylaid along the, along the path to where they needed to go, but that's what happens to us. But they have faith and they have trust in what you told them to do. And that's what God expects from us. And he doesn't always speak to us loudly, and it's not always a big epiphany. It's just sometimes he just whispers to us. Yes. Uh, excuse me, I was just thinking about what God whispered to me when I was living in sin. And, and I wasn't trying to be saved. And he didn't yell at me. He didn't punish me. He didn't do. <laughs> Jesus, help me. Because it seemed like I, like I had to be, do something big and grandiose in order to be saved. And it wasn't about that. The only thing I had to do was just say yes. We cannot say that we have faith in God if we're not willing to be all the way in. Okay, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. You can't only be halfway immersed. It's like when we're baptized, we're fully immersed in the water. You've got to be all the way in or you're all the way out. Amen. Amen. Utmost. To the utmost Jesus saves. Colossians 3 and 23 says that whatever you do, do it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Now, as I was preparing this sermon, I read about, um, I was led to read about Jesus's first en encounters with the disciples. And how the first of those that he chose, he just told them to come follow me. 
and they just dropped whatever it was that they were doing. They left their jobs, they left their families, they left their homes, they left their lives to follow him, and they didn't ask any questions. We're not like that. <laughs> we're not like that. Now, if there's anybody in here that, that God spoke to and they immediately got saved and followed him, please raise your hand. But what I love about, the, about these men is that they did it with their whole heart. They gave up everything to follow Jesus. And we won't even talk about what they went through in order to continue that journey. Because I, I read something about what happened to each of the apostles, and it was all horrible. But they gave their utmost. Jesus gave his utmost for us when he hung on the cross. Amen. Amen. It's interesting to me, and I, I don't even know how I got to Luke 9, verses 57 through 62, but I'll read it for you. Because not only did the 12 follow Jesus voluntarily and they did so with their whole heart, there were people who came to Jesus who said that they wanted to follow him. Jesus went and found the 12 and they followed him. But there are people who saw what was going on. Jesus, I want to go with you. But this particular scripture, and I'll read it. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another one said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied to the man, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Now, these people, they came up to Jesus. I want to go with you, Lord. But each of them had an excuse why they couldn't drop everything right then and they could not go now because they had something else that was more important for them to do. I'll do it later. I can't do it right now because I have to finish doing what I'm doing because what I'm doing right now is more important than following you. Well, Jesus, if you wait here for me, I'll go home and I'll be right back. He was okay with it because he went on to do what he was called to do. But these people were not willing to give their utmost to the Lord at that time. They wanted to do it when it was convenient for them. Amen. Not realizing that tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. It wasn't tomorrow wasn't promised to them and is not promised to us. So, Lord, I'll get back to you tomorrow because I'm not willing to give you my utmost right now. I'll do it later. I'll do it when I'm really in trouble. I'll do it to you when I do it where there's nowhere else for me to go. I can't do it right now because I have to go and do this first. Well, Jesus, I'm willing to give you part of me, but I'm not willing to give you the whole thing. Not right now. I'm not willing to give you my utmost. And I keep talking about the word willingness because that's really what it's all about. God doesn't make us do anything. He doesn't make us get saved. He doesn't make us come to church. He doesn't make us pray. He doesn't make us trust or believe. He doesn't make us have faith in him. We do all of these things because we're willing. We're willing vessels. And that's where our blessings come from. Amen. Amen. Turning your whole life over to God is huge. Amen. And not just talking about turning your body over to him, but turning your soul over to him, turning your spirit over to him. But there's a lot to be gained by giving God your utmost. Amen. Amen. Because we want to glorify God, but he wants to glorify us as well. 
and I want it. I want whatever he got for me. I want it all. Okay. So in order for me to get it all, I have to be willing to give it all. Even when it hurts, especially when it hurts. Amen. I want to talk a little bit about two widows. The first is found in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. We know it in our Bibles as the widow's offering. Some scriptures or some translations call it the widow's mites. As he, being Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, but a poor woman came and she put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything that she had, all that she had to live on. And for me, that scripture is not so much about the offering plate or tithing or giving. The copper coins are a metaphor for ourselves and our gifts. When we're talking about giving our, our best, our very best for God's highest, for his glory, again, it's not about the size of your gift. It's about your willingness. And in this woman's case, it was her willingness to give the very last that she had. Now, this woman goes to temple regularly, I would assume. Jesus was there. And folks are coming in and they're putting in their money. Now, some of us, when we come to church and we don't have much to give, we tend to keep what we have. Amen. And I'm not saying that it's a sin. I'm not saying that God is going to strike you down for keeping your last little bit in your pocket. But again, the question is your willingness. Because God is able to multiply. He's a multiplier. What God has seen in this situation are a couple of things. God gives us the gifts that he wants us to have. And he gives them, he gives those gifts to us in the amount that he wants us to have. Amen. Whether it's our time, our gifts, our talents, our skills, or whether it's money. He's given us our very selves. And that gift supersedes anything else that he can give us. Our very selves. Because those tangibles come and go. You could lose your money. You may not have the sharpest mind because our, we, if any of us, we got, some seas, we got some years on us. We know that our minds aren't as sharp as they used to be. Our gifts and talents may not as be as sharp as they used to be. But if we don't have anything else, we have ourselves and we can give ourselves to the Lord fully. Amen. Amen. This woman made a conscious decision to put her last two coins in the offering box. Nobody else would have paid any attention to this woman when she came in because we know that widows in that time were not held in high esteem. And it seems that the more money that you had, the closer you could sit to the front of the church. The men in the front, the women in the back, and if you were a widow, you might have to stand outside. Nobody would have paid attention to her, but Jesus saw her. And that's where he focused his attention on this poor woman, this poor widow and her two copper coins. And I would dare say that she received the biggest blessing that was given out that day in that place. So it's not about your abundance. It's about your willingness to do even when you have very little to give. Those two coins that she put in in our money today is worth less than half a cent. And how many of us would, would go to the offering plate and put a penny in the plate? 
The kids got a dollar today. <laughs> Amen. You can barely give a kid a coin these days. It's got to be paper. <laughs> but that's the society that we live in. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not always about your abundance. I'm not rich. Anybody in here rich? Spiritually, there you go. There you go. Because that's really what matters. Because you can walk around with empty pockets. There are homeless people out there who have the spirit of God in them. Don't even have the two pennies to rub together, but they have the spirit of God. And when you have the spirit of God, he can multiply. He can make nothing into something. Amen. I believe that that woman, her action was of consolation to Jesus that day. Because remember, he was on his way to be crucified. This was just one step on his journey to crucifixion. And I, I, I have to believe, and it's not in the Bible, but I have to believe that he received a measure of consolation by that woman's selfless act. Because she showed that she had faith in him. She had faith in God. And I'll say it again, saints, it's not always about the amount or the size of your gift and what you're willing to give. She glorified God by showing faith. And I believe she trusted and believed that God was going to take care of her. Why else would she do it? She didn't even have to go to church. She could have stayed home. But there was something that touched her in her spirit that caused her to show up at church that night at that time while Jesus was there. I don't know if she knew that he was going to be there. But that's the way that the spirit works. He puts us where he needs us to be at the time that he needs us to be there, even when we don't understand it. How many times have we said, I really don't feel like going to church today, but I'm going to go anyway. And you got blessed. This woman was more interested in God and others than she was in herself. Like I said, she could have kept her money. She could have stayed home. But some of that money that they gathered in the church was used for other purposes and for other people. So that little bit that you have, whether it's your money, whether it's your time, whether it's your gifts, sharing those gifts are always going to benefit somebody else. Amen. And it may be somebody that you never meet, that you never get thanked for. But God will thank you. God will bless you. Because at the end of the day, it only matters what he sees. Amen? Amen. You know, we, are, we like accolades. You know, we like pats on the back and what have you. But the utmost accolade that we can receive is when God says to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. In the Old Testament, there was a poor widow who encountered Elijah the prophet. First Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. Then the Lord, then the word of the Lord came to him, arise and go to Seraphath, which belongs to, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, Behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. 
Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. Jesus. And she and her and her household ate for many days. And the jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. That's a hallelujah. Amen. There's another poor widow who gave her all, who gave her utmost out of faith. Now, it's one thing to give your last little bit of money. It's another thing altogether to give your last little bit of food. To a stranger that you don't know. At the risk of your child dying of hunger. I don't know how many of us would be willing to do something like that. And I thank God that we're not in a position where we have to make that decision. Can you imagine one of these little children that were here being hungry? And a stranger walks up to you and asks you to give him that last, that child's last little portion of food. I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> Amen. Not only was this, this woman was resigned to the fact that she was about to have her last meal and she was going to die. But it shows what God can do when he speaks. Because the scripture says that God commanded this woman to do this. Now I'd have to hear from God loud and clear. <laughs> before I could do something like that. And I'd have to hear it loud and clear again before I could do something like that. And I might have to hear it a third time before I could do something like that. But Elijah moved by faith because we know the situation that he was in that took him to, to Zarephath. And we knew what he was getting ready to walk into. But here was this woman who lived in a town that was surrounded by pagans. And idol worshipers. Amen. Now the word doesn't tell us exactly what her situation was. I would like to think that. She had already been touched by the Lord. We know that he that eventually she was because she obeyed God's command to do something that made no sense whatsoever. To give up her very last to give her utmost to a stranger that she knew nothing about. Out of obedience to God. Now it had been, would have been one thing if she had plenty of food in her house to share with this stranger. She was down to her very last meal. But it shows what faith can do. And sometimes it's faith that we don't even understand. Because we don't know that this woman was saved. We don't know what her relationship with God was. This is the Old Testament, so Jesus had not even shown up yet. We don't know if she worshipped idols. Jezebel and Ahab had things all wrapped up inside them. So we don't know what her situation was prior to where we meet her in Scripture. But she was willing to give her very last. She was willing to give her utmost out of faith. And sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make any sense. God, why are you asking me to do this? Why are you asking me to, to step out of my comfort zone? And what's in it for me? Suppose Elijah had been a false prophet. And she gave up her last food. 
And he turned out to be a charlatan. Beware of false prophets. What God saw in this situation was that there was a famine in the land. Of course, he knew about the famine because he caused that to happen. This woman was alone. She was poor and she was destitute. I would say that she was probably in a worse situation than the woman that gave up her two copper coins. Because she's about to give up her last her last food and she had already resigned herself to the fact that this was going to be the last meal. I'm going to die. My son is going to die. And there's nothing that I can do about it. Because there was no benevolence fund at the church. There was no Boaz to come along and marry her. I'm sure that there were people who knew of her situation, but no one was able to help because everybody was suffering from this famine. I don't have enough to feed myself. I can't help you, sister. My child is about to die. I can't help your son. But God chose this particular woman at that particular time to give up the last of what she had for his glory. She could have refused. No, I'm not giving you. <laughs> I'm already going to die. My son's going to die. We're going to die with the we're going to put something in our bellies. But she trusted what Elijah told her to say. So it was a combination of Elijah's words that were spoken directly to her face and what the Holy Spirit had dropped into her spirit. Sometimes we have to do things that don't make any sense in order to glorify God. And sometimes we have to do things that don't make any sense so that we can get God's glory. The scripture tells us that the flour never ran out. The oil never ran out. They were able to eat. She was able to keep Elijah in her home for however long he wound up staying there. She gave up everything that she had so that she could get the best that God had for her. Amen. And that's what we're called to do. Her son died, Scripture tells us. We don't know what the cause of his death was, but he still died. It wasn't from starvation because they ate. But something came upon that child that caused him to die. Elijah was able to call on God to resurrect that boy back to life. God blesses in mighty, mighty ways when we give him our utmost. Proverbs 29 says that whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. That proverb speaks volumes. Because whether God gives us a large bounty or whether he gives us a tiny bounty, we are to honor what he gives us, whether it's in large measure or small measure. And whatever he gives us, we are to be willing to share with others. Like I said earlier, sometimes it's just about sharing your testimony with somebody else. You know, there are times when I don't carry money much. And I guess in the day in the day of uh, ATM cards and, uh, you know, credit cards, we tend not to carry as much cash as we used to before the advent of technology. Um, but there are times when I see a homeless person or I see somebody and I wish that I had a couple of dollars to give to them. So the only thing that I can do at that point is pray for them. And sometimes that's all that they need. You know, and, and it's not always about why I need to go over and I need to I need to lay hands on them. I need to tell them my whole story. I need to do this, that and the other. Sometimes all you have to do is just raise your prayer, your petition to God for that unfortunate man or woman. You know, and and. We need to stop judging people 
because there, there are those out there who believe that that man is homeless because he sinned. That woman is a prostitute because she sinned. And we have to stop overlooking people because we don't know what God is going to do through that person. We're blessed to be able to sit in a warm church building while there's somebody out there in the street who's, who's walking in the cold. But God has a gift. He has something for that person. They may not even realize it. But he wants us to give our utmost for his glory. These women trusted the Lord literally with the faith of a mustard seed. And they gave their utmost to glorify God. It wasn't about the coins. It wasn't about the flour. It wasn't about the oil. It was about their attitude of faith. You know, we as people, we sometimes tend to focus on the things that we don't have or the things that we don't think we have enough of. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have enough of this to truly and fully serve God. Like I said, I'm, my memory, <laughs> my ability to memorize things is terrible. Herb would have a problem with me trying to memorize that scripture. <laughs> okay? And I don't, feel so, I don't feel so bad because it seems like I'm not the only one with memory issues. And as a preacher and as a minister, I sometimes feel like I should be able to, to memorize scripture. I should be able to just quote scripture, chapter and verse, and I can't. And I've asked God to help me with that. He hasn't gotten around to doing it just yet. <laughs> but, but the point that I'm making is that we all have gifts that we can use to serve the Lord. And we put boundaries or parameters, our own values on what our gifts are and how big our gifts are or how small our gifts are. When we think about giving God our utmost, we tend to hinder ourselves because we feel inadequate. We feel insignificant. We don't feel like we're up to the task. But that's us. That's not God. So when we're thinking about what it means to give our utmost to God's glory, we need to step outside of ourselves. And we need to ask the Lord, what does my utmost look like to you? Amen? Because I may feel like I'm inadequate, but God says that I am more than enough. I, I don't have any money in my pocket, Lord, but what can I do to glorify you? What can I do to help that, that homeless person that I see, that I hope that I don't unsee? When the, when the widow came into the church... She was probably overlooked by everybody there except for Jesus. Amen. And we don't want to be like those other people because we want to be able to see everybody for what they're worth. We want to be able to see them the way that God sees them. Amen. And as I said, what I, think is, you know, what I think is my utmost or what I think that I'm giving as my utmost might not be what God wanted me to give. My wife will tell you that I love Aldi. And, you know, we all see people, you know, they're paying it forward or they're paying for other people's groceries and this, that, and the other. And I tried to do that one day at Aldi. And the person that I called myself trying to bless refused my offer. And I felt a kind of way about that. Here, I'm trying to bless somebody because that's what God tells me to do. He tells me to bless that person, bless that person, bless that person. But I didn't ask God, is this the person that you want me to bless? 
is this what you want me to do? Because this is me trying to do my thing. This is me trying to be that blessing to somebody. It was me. It wasn't him. So that's why we have to always be in communication with the Lord as best we can. Because like I said, when we're trying to bless somebody, it has to be what it has to be the blessing that God wants to have wants to be given. Not me, because it's not about me. It's not. And I had to ask God to forgive me because, like I said, I was a little I, I wasn't mad. I was just disappointed because I'm trying to do something good for somebody. And I had to ask him to help me deal with that. So when we're when we're giving of ourselves, whether it's to God, whether it's to another person, we have to do it for the glory of God, not for the glorification of ourselves. Amen. Amen? There's no need for us to feel inadequate before God. The two copper coins that the woman gave was enough for God. The handful of flour and the drops of oil was enough for God. And that's who we're trying to please. You know, we're just past Christmas. And one of my favorite holiday songs is a little drummer boy. And he's not in the Bible. He doesn't. The little boy doesn't show up in the Bible anywhere. But the song tells of a poor boy who at the nativity scene, whose only gift for the savior was the ability to play his drum. And for me out of that song, the words Mary nodded. And then he being Jesus smiled at me. Or really what stands out to me because it shows that the smallest gifts shared willingly glorifies God. So no matter how small or insignificant or unimportant you think that you, your gifts, your talents, your skills, your power, your strength or your finances are, please know that God wants the best that you have. And he has the best of everything for you. Never underestimate yourself in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Never underestimate yourself under the power of the Holy Spirit. He's a multiplier. And all that you do, give all that you give to the utmost. Trust God to the utmost. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together and praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. And the next time you go to Aldi and you want to pay it forward, ask God first.